Welcome to the BecomeNew.me podcast with John Ortberg. Passage to Wisdom, Episode 15, On Dropping Dead. Hey, this is John Ortberg, and I'm talking about Passage to Wisdom. How we all need help. We are the fellowship of the withered hand. We recognize and even celebrate our personal inadequacy. I can't, but God can, and I think I'll let him. And we're looking at some great thoughts from some great minds over the years that can help us move towards life and towards health and towards God. I'm so grateful to get to do this together with you. And the book I'm talking about right now by Jeffrey Schwartz, neuro-researcher, Christian, is called You Are Not Your Brain. And I've needed this so much over the last couple of years because my mind has been such a challenge given the circumstances I find myself in. I used to generally approach life feeling like my circumstances ought to be stable and okay. And if they're not, if they're threatened, then my job is to solve that problem, fix that circumstance so that I can get on with life. And then I've crossed into a way of life that lots of people, maybe most people throughout human history have where it's really clear things are not fixable. Pain is not going away. And that having circumstances be okay is not an adequate foundation for life. So I must find a deeper foundation. I must learn. I must learn to root my mind in God and his sufficiency. But now my problem, and I find in volatile times it becomes a more volatile problem, is my mind, Jeffrey would say, actually, my brain keeps throwing up these terrible thoughts that are what he calls deceptive brain messages. They are distortions of reality. Things will be terrible. I cannot tolerate it if. God will not be adequate. This person can't get away with what they're getting away with. And they make me, they they create discomfort inside me and they will tempt me to wrong responses, to ruminate or to gossip or to hold a grudge or to take something to drink or or engage in escapist behaviors, lead me towards the life I don't want to live and the person I don't want to be. So how do I stop these voices? I don't know if you ever have any voices like this. Um, It was recently my wife's birthday. And so we were talking to my friend Rick on the phone in the morning. And I invited Nance into this conversation because it was her birthday. And she is a good friend of Rick and vice versa. And Rick was praying for her because it was her birthday. Nancy is a few months older than Rick and Rick's about a year older than me. So when it's her birthday, she's actually older than him for a little while. And he was getting a little jabbing about that. He actually prayed, God, I thank you for Nancy and for how now she is older than me and I can benefit from the wisdom of my elder. And immediately Nancy responded, drop dead. I've never heard somebody say those words during prayer before. I've been around praying people pretty much my whole life long. I grew up in the kind of tradition where you didn't interrupt other people when they were praying too much. We weren't that kind of a church. Occasionally you might say, "Mm mm-hmm, during a prayer, or make a little clucking sound of the back of your throat, which somehow we all learn is meant to convey deep emotion and spirituality. Some of you are from a more exuberant tradition where you might say, amen, or praise the Lord, or yes, Lord, or something like that. But in all my years, I don't think I've ever heard anybody respond in the middle of a prayer, drop dead. And it occurred to me afterwards how often actually it would be a really helpful thing to me when I'm just praying by myself. And those voices come up and they do, those thoughts emerge, the deceptive brain messages. 
You are not enough. You are not adequate. God couldn't love somebody like you. This stuff that's going on is terrible. It's unbearable. You can't stand it. You will be humiliated. You will be viewed as a failure. You are condemned to live in nothing but brokenness. For Drop dead, voice. Well, how do we do that? We begin by learning to be fully present with God. I've mentioned before, this topic of mindfulness is a, a subject of huge interest in our day. And you might know about mindfulness-based stress reduction. There's lots of programs on mindfulness and work. And so people have been doing a lot of research in this area. Uh, Christians sometimes have questions because mindfulness is sometimes uh, associated with forms of Buddhism. Uh, but overall, that notion of awareness, what do I do with my mind? How can I be fully present in this moment right now is actually something that has been concern of all people in every religious tradition, Judaism, Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, as well as Greek philosophy. Just wise people in general have recognized that the art of managing consciousness is the primary challenge for human flourishing and how we are to think about doing this. For instance, the practice of meditation is something that's talked about quite a lot in the Old Testament. And Jeffrey writes about mindfulness in very helpful ways. Mostly mindfulness is about awareness. It's a particular kind of awareness where I'm not swallowed up in the thought that occurs, but I'm aware of the fact that it is I who am having that thought. I'm observing this and I'm fully aware of this present moment that I am here with you right now. And as a Christian, part of being mindfully aware is being surrendered in my will. So it is something that involves not just my mind, my awareness, but also my will, and I'm surrendered. And then I look at my thoughts, and I recognize where they are distorted when they are. So that I'm no longer captive to my thoughts, but it's a part of a process where God helps me take my thoughts captive to Jesus. Jesus says once about uh, the evil one, about Satan, that he doesn't speak the truth because truth isn't in him. That when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he's the father of all lies. And the idea in this is a very, very profound one that darkness and hiddenness and deception all have to go together because goodness and truth are wed. And so evil opposition to goodness will always rely at some level on deception. And one of the ways that I can gain distance from these deceptive brain messages, one of the ways I can tell them to drop dead is to identify uh, the particular kind of distortion that characterizes each thought. So I thought I would mention several of them from Jeffrey Swartz. I'll give you an example of where you can see this in scripture. And then as I'm doing that, because we're actually learning how to be more mindful, how to turn our minds over to God, you might just ask yourself the question today, do I ever engage in that kind of distorted thinking? Is that the kind of voice I want to say drop dead to? So here are some of the kind of thinking errors that those deceptive brain messages uh, uh, will try to impose on us. One of them is called all or nothing thinking. And in this, I evaluate events or people or situations just completely black or white, perfect or horrible. For example, when Elijah is on the run, 1 Kings 19, 
and he's exhausted. And he says to God, everybody else has denied you. And I, I alone am left. And God says to Elijah, actually, there are 7,000 prophets who have not bent the knee to Baal. <laughs> you're not the only guy. You are not terminally unique. Elijah, you're engaging in all or nothing thinking. It's not that bad. It's not that true. Uh, second cognitive distortion is catastrophize. You ever catastrophize? Mark 9, the disciples are in a boat with Jesus and there's a storm and he's sleeping. So apparently he don't think the storm is that bad, but they do. And they wake up and say, Master, do you not care that we're about to drown? Now, there's no question in their mind, although they have not drowned yet, that they are going to drown. And what they're asking him is not just, you know, what to do about drowning, but don't you care? And as it turns out, they're not going to drown. As it turns out, he's able to handle this storm. They are catastrophized. Do you ever catastrophize a storm? A third common thinking error is discounting the positive. The Israelites have been delivered by God from Egypt, from Pharaoh. He's part of the waters. He's drowned Pharaoh and his army. He's He's giving them the Ten Commandments, his law. He is providing manna miraculously in the wilderness. And their response was, oh man, if only we could go back to Egypt where we used to have cucumbers, leeks, garlic, and onions to eat. Like we go, we go back to being slaves, forget about the promised land. They discount all of the good gifts God has given them because they're tired of manna. That's discounting the positive. Number four is emotional reasoning. This is where, because I feel something, I therefore assume it must be true. Israelites say to Aaron, hey, we don't know what's happened to this guy, Moses. We feel abandoned by him because we're tired of waiting. Therefore, make a new God, a golden calf for us. Because I feel it, therefore, I think it must be true. Another common error is mind reading. This involves other people. In the parable of the talents, Jesus says that the wicked and lazy servant said to his master, I knew you were a hard man. Now, the servant here is confusing being held accountable with someone being overly severe and strict and hard in their heart. He is assuming he can read the mind of his master and consequently he completely misinterprets him. How often do I think I can read the mind of my spouse, my kid, my co-worker, and so. Another common thinking order is faulty comparison. Jesus is explaining to Peter the death that Peter is going to have to die by. And Peter see John, sees John passing by and says to Jesus, what about him? How's he going to die? If I got to die this way, then he should have to die at least this bad. And Jesus' response is, what is that to you? What is that to you? One more common distortion, faulty expectations. And we see this one too. When Jesus asks, who do you think I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you. And then starts to describe how the Messiah will have to suffer and die. Peter says, no, 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 don't say that. He has a false expectation of who the Messiah is going to be. Because of course, as the follower of Messiah, he wanted to be in on that glory. So today, as you walk through the day, listen to the voices. Don't try to push those thoughts away, but also don't be flooded by them. 
and just think, are there any areas where uh, I'm engaging in one of these cognitive distortions? And if that's happening, then I can say to that particular thought, drop dead. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Receive alerts for new episodes by texting the word become to the number 56525 or invite a friend by sharing the link becomenew.me.